0: What's up, everyone? (laughs) Okay, that's (laughs) fair. No problem. (laughs) Welcome to the Aesthetics Mastery Show. We've got a really good show for you today. Um, I'm Dr. Tim Pearce.
1: Hi, I'm Miranda Pearce.
0: Today, we're going to talk about, from a clinical perspective, some weird complications that I've experienced over the years. And
1: Also, we're going to tackle no needle fillers. What's the crack? Are they any good? And if they're not, how do we communicate that to our patients who are really quite convinced by them? And
0: we've got one other topic, haven't we? Which I've forgotten.
1: No, this is the second time you've done this. We have no other topic. <laughs> <laughs> So we were talking yesterday about some of the strange, weird and wonderful complications that you've either heard about or a couple that you've experienced as well. And I think this will be useful to our audience because I don't know about you guys, but it's the kind of thing that I would, I feel like I would want to know all the complications so that I knew, you know, the lay of the land.
0: Well, there are one or two that are a little bit unexpected or difficult to interpret. Um, I'll never forget the first one that really threw me was, um, I never forget the message actually, which is I feel like I have an alien coming out of my forehead. So the first thing you think is, well, there's no way that that's anything to do with Botox. And maybe I should put my GP hat on and think about psychiatric diagnoses because it sounded so off the wall. Uh, But what that one was, uh, I actually saw it happening in the consultation, which was a spasm in the forehead after having a Botox treatment. And it Uh, It just caused this weird, weird kind of contortion. Now, there was an element of her panicking because when she looked up, she thought she could see it, which is no way she could have seen it. But it it did cause this weird spasm. Um, And that happened with what that product I think I was using was Azalor, Azalor at that time. And no matter what what I did dose wise, that seemed to persist. When I switched products, it stopped. So ah. that's how I got out of it. But, it but was, what's behind that? Well, fasciculate muscle fasciculations are one of the side effects from Botox treatments or as was, botulinum toxin treatments. So it's one of the potential side effects. I think that one was particularly strong. I don't know entirely why. Um, you know, I wondered about whether there was kind of a couple of neurons that were still working that were causing depolarization of the whole muscle while most of them weren't. There was that imbalance of um, nerve input because you've partially altered the muscle, but the honest answer is I haven't got a clue why it happens. Um, kind of strange. You do get patients with twitching and other symptoms, but that was just particularly bad. It was almost like there was someone putting a little electrode in, and it was kind of spasming. And you get a couple of seconds of spasming, and then it would stop.
1: Did she literally think she'd been possessed?
0: Patients will tend to state things quite strongly in order to get your attention, so that you sort them out. Um, so it's the kind of thing, you know, no one wants to bother the doctor when there isn't much going on. So you you definitely state it in a way that this is really significant so that they respond to you. So, you know, I've got my forehead still moving, which is is what it was happening. It's very different to there's an alien coming out of my forehead. So, <laughs> so you get the attention uh, and then you get the response. But it's natural for humans to state things in a way that sound more significant uh, in certain situations, so that you respond. So uh, that does happen a lot with follow ups.
1: And are there any other weird complications that might be useful to the guys watching that might actually occur for them?
0: Usually, it's some sort of three dimensional interaction across the face. So you treat maybe you treat around the eyes, and you and you cause a little a shadow to develop in the lower cheek because the orbicularis oculi muscle is also a cheek elevator. And you don't think often when you do your foundation training, you think it causes wrinkles here. You don't think about the fact that it's supporting your cheek slightly. And in rare cases, there's enough of a connection between um, what's happening in this part of the face that you get a knock-on effect lower down. Uh, I'll, I'll give you another example of that, which was uh, treating someone uh, with master reduction, so reducing the size of the master with um, a botulinum toxin. They developed a labial fold so you get it's a knock-on effect i you just want to create a more heart shaped effect and you might do that but the that was actually supporting the skin so it slumps forward and you get a new fold um there are lots of lots of these weird side effects are to do with um the imbalance of forces across the face that you create you and it's because when you first start in aesthetics you're quite compartmental you think what i do here is just for here you don't think about the interaction and it's actually great you know not for the patient but for you it's a great learning experience realizing how all these or how the surface connects all the underlying structures together in many ways.
1: So does that mean that when you progress and become more of a full-face practitioner that you will anticipate that kind of thing? Would you have known that that, did you consult the patient before and say, by the way, I can tell that in your face, if I do a masseter, you're likely to get the marionette line?
0: I didn't on the first time it ever happened to me, Right, but now I do. I see it, I wouldn't do it on that patient. Or at least you'd explain you'd need filler to correct that.
1: What would you look out for? Because clearly not all masseter patients are going to get that. So how can you tell the kind of person who might have the weird side effect?
0: Um, and it's a little bit like the line you get above your lip. This is much more common, but might fall into the category of a weird treatment, which is you treat someone's lip. Um, they get a slightly fuller lip or good familiar border. And then they suddenly get these two lines either side, which is like a beak. Um, and that happens because you've, in, you've made... One part stronger and right next to it is a weak point and they fold. Same thing would apply with me labial fold. If you, if you can see a slight shadow and you push in it slightly and you can see it gets worse, well, don't reduce the volume back here or it's going to get worse. The key thing is just realizing the connection between things and the knock on effect. The face isn't a Mr. Potato head that you can isolate yeah. individual components. It's all connected. It's one structure. And if you change one thing, it'll have a knock on effect somewhere else.
1: Any other weird side effects or complications that you've come across?
0: So I've had lots of weird follow-ups back in the early days. I think I I didn't look as confident as I do now. And a lot of patients would go away picking up that sense of uncertainty and then go away and look for issues. So uh, I remember once I did lose a client over a freckle because she spotted a freckle and she's like, this definitely wasn't here before you treated me. And I was like, it's a freckle. (laughs) You can't cause that. But in her mind, you know, she thought maybe it's a possibility. and And I was too quick to brush it off and I should have gone into more detail and reassured her better Um, but that was an uncertain patient due to she may have been uncertain for other all sorts of reasons but I don't get them as often as I used to that's for sure Um, and seeing something on her face that she thought she'd never seen before because people do that they think they know their face backwards but you don't if you if you have Something that increases your uncertainty, you go away and study things in a different way and you'll spot something new. So a lot of follow-ups are weird for that reason. I had another one that was similar, which was a line on the top lip. The line actually, this is quite an interesting, I thought it was quite a funny description. Patients come up with the the funniest descriptions of their lines and wrinkles, but a second smile, little line that forms mm-hmm. on the top of your lip, and then she's like, Oh, that's my second smile, which I thought was funny, because it does look like a little miniature smile. <laughs> um But I had someone after having Botox around in her upper face who said, Oh, now I've got this line that definitely wasn't there before. And obviously you can find these things in the pictures normally, but it's that it's the same thing of it sounds really weird, and when you get to the bottom, it's not that weird. Mm-hmm. That's often the case with weird things, isn't it?
1: what about that one that i've seen a few times on our closed facebook group where um runners get oh yeah, yeah
0: that's a good one so this is uh, if you've had a, a botulinum toxin treatment it changes the vasculature response to... There's, there are acetylcholine receptors in the blood vessels, so you basically stop them responding in their normal way, which means on the day you see nothing. As soon as they get red in the face, you see where all the injection points went in. You get this... People at the gym often will send a picture of uh, of red faces with little white dots where their Botox injection has gone in. That's quite a weird one.
1: So can we prevent, can we prevent that?
0: You could perhaps blend in a little bit, so smaller doses... Um, more, more distributed, and you just have a pale forehead rather than a dotty pale forehead. So that's probably the best thing to do is to halve your dose and to spread them out with with uh, with more injection points, so that there's there's less of an obvious kind of Klingon type forehead.
1: Wow! So you're just doing the right thing, going to the gym, and next thing you get revealed as having had both,
0: <laughs> and Shame. you can see the pattern, yeah. which is helpful if you want to replicate and change practitioners. <laughs> oh,
1: God. And is it is it only this? Vascular response is this only happening for certain people
0: maybe it's just that so few people spot it or exercise um, I've had very few I've had one or two people notice it but it's not um, it's not that common David's having a laugh in the background what's going on so few people
1: exercise and many
0: people exercise just maybe they just not see it running in front it could be that they're not in front of a mirror
1: what about the side effect which is less weird and more common but it has a really unfortunate kind of impact on the customer which is that they came trying to get rid of uh, their forehead lines and then they get this weird pulling of the under i can't replicate it now but it's like a weird pulling under the eye do you know what i mean you know, what, what should we do about that one
0: yeah so often the combination it's to do with how, how people treat the frontalis muscle which is if you slightly overtreat the middle and you under treat the lateral component you naturally get what we're often trying to do is an eyebrow lift but if you've got fairly loose skin underneath your eyebrow it pulls in away, and you get these little kind of flared out lines that form and sometimes a little heaviness in the middle where there's almost like a little pouch and um, that forms so basically a little medial brow ptosis and a lateral brow lift put them together in someone with a slightly kind of boggy skin almost they get little lines that cross over it.
1: What can we do about it?
0: Um, you can usually improve it by injecting orbicularis oculi muscle underneath the eyebrow um, sometimes you can add a bit more to the glabella area if the glabella is pulling a little bit down, and that helps a little bit. But it's mainly a little bit of one or two units underneath the eyebrow. We'll improve it a little bit.
1: Thank you. So, shall we move on to talk about our second topic, which is no needle filler? Now, the reason we thought this would be useful to talk about is actually because we want this section of the show to be about things that you guys are noticing and are important to you, maybe even wind you up on social media and this is something I see time and time again particularly because the non-medics are really loving the no needle filler now I'm sure there are some amongst you who use it as well but I think that it's a real entry point for the no for the non-medics because they can it's almost like there's something psychologically different about no needle filler like you it requires less skill and so therefore a non-medic could do it more readily Well, it's actually, clearly, we know there's no regulation in the industry at all, and it's not a prescription-only drug anyway filler. So really, the non-medics can do any of the fillers, even though that's not what we would think is right. But it it just seems to be that they really latch on to no needle filler. And actually, what is problematic about it from our perspective, those of us who don't do it and don't think it's safe for our customers, then the customers are loving life because, of course, why would I not have no needle filler? Why would I choose to have a needle? That's crazy. What, what's your thoughts on it?
0: Well, we, we were probably one of the first places to try non-needle filler. Um, it was years ago, and we were approached by a company. At that point, they were saying this is only for medics. And I tried it on our first ever employee, um, tested it, and thought, I can't see a, a room for this in my practice. It, essentially, she got a bruise from it. Um, it hurt. And it was a bit like, well, where's the benefit? Because I've got less control. It's all in the surface of the skin. I can only use one type of product. I don't need it. Mm-hmm. So I decided not to do it. Um, we did think it would be great for getting a bit of attention, but we ne- because we never wanted to actually use it, we, didn't, we decided not to do that. Um, the real problem with it is this gap between marketing and reality. And there are many adverts you see where they literally the, the marketing is along the lines of no side effects, no pain, no needle, usually the other way around because it's catchier, no needle, no pain, no side effects, which is just not true. So if you if you understand how they work, it's basically a high-pressure, shot of filler using using gas to fire product into the surface of the skin. And that is obviously less accurate than if you're using a needle. Um, it may have some complications, it might be less. Like I don't think you're as likely to cause a vascular occlusion. I can't imagine how you would quite so easily cause a vascular occlusion as you can with a needle. Uh, But apart from that, there's a similar amount of trauma. You've got less control. You'll never get the same degree of definition unless the patient's already got definition. You can't increase the definition with a blunt instrument. There are lots of downsides to it. Um, It probably has its place in the the industry. It's the kind of thing that I'm sure there are uses for it, but that's not how it's marketed. It's marketed as a true alternative to injectable dermal fillers, and it just isn't.
1: Would you say that the biggest problem with it is a safety problem or the problem that you aren't going to be able to create beautiful lips with a blunt instrument the
0: biggest problem is that is the gap between what people expect and what they get so it's anything that's pitched as something that isn't isn't what it really is is a problem so You know, if you are going to get side effects with it, you're going to get complications. You can easily have a reaction to it, just like as you could with any product that you inject, bruising, pain, swelling, all of those things are, are, I would anticipate are a normal part of the procedure, but that's not how it's pitched. So that's the biggest problem because, you know, we, you can all do, you can do all sorts of things to your body as long as you're expecting the, the outcomes and you're making a good decision about what, what, what you're going to get versus what you might pay, how you might pay for that. Um, in terms of side effects and risks so for me that's the biggest issue that the that you get side effects is not a problem because everything has side effects if you're going to intervene in the way the body functions sometimes it's a complex thing you're going to get something you don't want that's normal the point is when that when it's not sold that way
1: because for me it's kind of become almost like the calling card of a non-medic that they will have this not always clearly but that they might have this in their toolkit do you think if it doesn't do what it says on the tin which is your main objection it's particularly bad because it's not people cannot be consented correctly if they come into the situation thinking that it has no side effects la la should we even bother is it, it should it be on the market
0: well we're in a free country and anyone can pitch, put their product out there and pitch it accordingly that what i saw them change their strategy was uh, they changed which market they pitched it to. So obviously we're not having great success with people who are very comfortable with using needles. So they pitch it to people who are less comfortable using needles and they have a, they have a market and I'm sure they've sold many thousands of these devices. Um, the, the, the issue is, is it a good product? Are we still going to be using non-needle filler in 20 years time? I doubt it. I, I think it'll be a fad that comes and goes because it's it's, it's got a great story. There's a marketing story there. We finally got a way to give you filler without needle. The problem is there are so many drawbacks with it that I don't think it's really an alternative at all. And that's, that's the problem. If it was pitched as, if you've got a very kind of superficial line on the surface of your skin and you don't like needles, this will improve it 30%, you might get bruising and redness. Um, maybe there is a room in the market. It would be like a 5% piece of it. But it's not going to take over. It, unfortunately, it's sold as a, as a genuine alternative, which is basically incorrect. Unless they've done something I don't know about that's changed how it works, I can't see how they would, because it's basically physics. You can't, you just can't use it the same way as you can a needle.
1: Are you saying it should only be used for people who have great definition anyway, and then they're just looking for volume?
0: Yeah, I, I think the before and afters you see will be people with already good lips who've been zapped a few times have some swelling have a little bit of additional volume they're already pretty and it you know it looks it looks pretty good but when that's all the swelling goes down you you're left with a fairly mild result uh, if anything at all and um, if you're unlucky you get side effects as well and you still don't get an amazing result so it's it's not going to ever create a neat vermilion border because that's the nature of how it works
1: so for any healthcare professionals who are watching this and maybe they don't use the pen themselves and they are worried about what seems to be an influx of all their customers saying, oh, I need the pen. And they're worried about their customers going to that competition down the road. Would you have any advice for them?
0: Uh, so two things. Even if you never talk about this pen again, I believe the truth will pay out. Will play out eventually. So people do fall for bad marketing. Um, you know, it sounds amazing. No needle lip filler. I've, it's the only reason many people don't have lip fillers is because it involves needles. So they will get some clients that way. But when they also disappoint those clients and they're not that good a result or it hurts and you get a bruise and you get a side effect and you don't get what you paid for, even if it was really cheap, then people will go and look elsewhere. So there's, there's there is that approach, which is if you genuinely don't think it's a good product, then that you're going to change your whole practice over, then wait. It'll come back around and it'll fade like many of these fad treatments do. And we'll be back to what we've always done. Um, the second thing is you could use it as an opportunity to actually create more marketing. So actually inform your clients, tell them how it works. Maybe if you've if you've had a look at the pen and you thought, you know what, this is not a replacement for what I currently do, a post explaining that to, to clients they will be grateful for. Here's how a hyaluron pen works or whatever brand it is. Here's how um, a needle works. Here's why they're different. Here's why if you want this result, you need to have an injectable. There's no way around it. Um, I think people would be grateful for that. So, create informative marketing around it would be my advice. Uh, or and just wait.
1: I think keep it classy, though. I think if you're doing that kind of post, it's important for it to not to look like an attack. You need to kind of come across as this person with gravitas, this expert who is just providing information to your potential customers or your customers, as opposed to saying, "Ugh, you know these are awful," because I think mm. that comes across as. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's probably more our style. Um, I think it can actually work really well on a social media perspective. Um, I've, you know, rant alert, I'm fed up with this. <laughs> yeah. I hate to hear my clients getting ripped off and this is why I think it's a rip off. That could, that could work well as well.
1: But there's something very crucial about what you just said and why that would work is because you're defending the clients. If you come across as defending your territory I think that would be unfortunate and the clients won't won't. But if you're kind of like, you know, long post alert, I've really seen a lot of bad side effects from this. And I feel like there's a a, a mismatch of their marketing and the reality, then you're defending your customers. I think that's a good way in if you want to go that, that route.
0: Yes, I agree
1: brilliant right we hope that's been useful you guys and please do drop us a comment below to let us know whether you enjoyed these topics we will be coming to you next thursday again for the aesthetics mastery show and if you have any particular topics that you're interested in or anything that you see in the news or anything please just drop us a comment below and we'll try and put it into the next show take care